decided this week uh, I'm overdue for something. Uh, it's been a while since I've done this, so we are going to, for the homily today, we are going to talk a little LSU football. We had, uh, yesterday was a spring game, and uh, they always do the big, big spring game, make a point to put it on TV, so that everybody can overreact about who, who's the best offensive lineman, there's no, not many good ones, uh, what position looked best, this and that, I and mean, they talk about all these different things. Um, it really doesn't mean anything because it's just the end of spring practice, but when I was watching it yesterday, I couldn't help but start thinking about my favorite time in Tiger Stadium. Uh, the date was October 6, 2007. Uh, I will never forget this day, this game. LSU, for the first time in years, was hosting another team, and they were ranked, LSU was ranked number one. The team coming in, our arch enemy, the Florida Gators, with a certain quarterback named Tim Tebow. He was walking on water on his way there, right? Um, we, had, we were all fired up. The students were, got really, really excited throughout the course of the week, so excited. We got Tebow's number. Um, so his cell phone number was really full. Um, I know firsthand that his voicemail, they couldn't fit another thing because I tried to call it, uh, but I used a friend's phone. Um, we had, I remember the week leading up to the game, like we wanted to make a point that we were gonna do, we were gonna really like destroy this team. Went to walk-ons on the Wednesday night and ate a nice gator po' boy, right? Like, it was, it was just the, it was that kind of week. We were all excited. We were all fired up. Got in line with all my liquid courage in me at, night, at about three hours, four hours, five hours before kickoff. Getting to the stadium, getting situated. Band comes out on the field with the four-corner salute. You know what I'm talking about. And get the free songs. You know, like, it was a great day. Until the game started. <laughs> Whew. I can tell you what, it was, uh, at halftime, it was 17 to 7. The students were, we were, we were losing. The students were at fever pitch, angry at, at Tebow because he scored his first touchdown in this north end zone, ran over, and started to mock the student section, act like dialing himself and trying to call us out. Didn't end well for him by the end of the night. Um, we get to halftime, the band comes out, they do their, their whole thing. First drive of the second half, we score a touchdown. It's a three-point game. And it was like something just special happened. There was a one moment that I'll never forget. We scored the touchdown. It was great. It was all exciting. 17-14, it's a game again. Everybody in the stadium is all fired up. At that moment, across the country, there was another team that had just lost a game by the name of USC. USC was claiming that they were just as good as LSU. We all knew the truth. But they had just lost to a 45-point underdog in Stanford at that moment. And in the stadium, Dan Borne, who is a deacon, but Dan Borne comes on the loudspeaker and says, final out of South, Southern California, USC, ba, Stanford, da. And the stadium absolutely erupted. Um, I don't know how it was when, when Tommy Hudson threw the, the touchdown to make the earthquake, but I know I watched the stadium shake. It was amazing. The stadium went electric. We were throwing stuff. We threw a friend of mine backwards into the stands. We, it was a blast. Everybody in the stadium was cheering, including the Florida fans. We were all going crazy because this had just happened. 
Fast forward a little bit, five fourth downs later, Jacob Hester reaches across the goal line and LSU wins, the good guys win, 28-24, and Tim Tebow cried on the field. It was a very magical night. Why on earth would I start talking this much in detail about a football game? I was a witness to history that night. That was one of the main moments that led LSU from just kind of being a contender for the national title to a front runner. It was one of the most magical nights that I can remember in Tiger Stadium, October 6, 2007. The sad part is, is I don't need to, I, I, I can go back in my memory and call out everything that happened in this game. I can, I, 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 there was a, it, it impacted me so much that to this day, when I watch a football game that takes place at Tiger Stadium, I walk into that stadium, the first thing I think of, this might be another October 6, 2007. I'm reminded of how amazing that night was every time I walk into the stadium. And the other thing that happens is I always want to share the experience of what happened on October 6, 2007. I remember it fondly, and I want to share it. Because in one night... I was a witness to something that was amazing. Our first reading and our gospel hit on this theme of being a witness. Of being a witness to something that was amazing. Unbelievable. That Christ had foretold that he would die and rise and that we were witnesses of it. Our first reading today, I think it's important for us to get some context before we dive into both the first reading and the gospel. The first reading today, we hear Peter giving this, giving this kind of this homily of sorts. Well, what had happened was, Peter is walking around in the temple area. And as he's walking around, him and John are walking around in the temple area, this is after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has appeared to them multiple times. This is after the Pentecost where they have been filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out and Jesus has ascended. That Peter and John are walking in the temple area and somebody is there begging for money. It's a paralytic. Somebody is paralyzed. They can't move, but they are begging for money. And they look at Peter and they say, could you have something to give? And Peter stops and he says, we have no money. Like, I forgot my wallet, like many people say, right? Like, Peter looks at him and says, I, I, I have no money to give you. But what I do have, I give you. I have no money, but what I do have, I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And he helps a paralytic to his feet. And he walks. Now, this might not seem like, like, wow, okay, that Jesus has done that. But this isn't Jesus doing it. It's Peter doing it in the name of Jesus. This is Peter. This is the same fisherman who can't catch fish. This is the same man who denied Jesus. This is the same one who Jesus established as the rock. 
And he looks at the man and says, in the name of Jesus, I, ask, I tell you to rise and walk. So people see this happen. They knew that he was a follower of Christ. They knew, what he was, that, they knew who he was in this area, and now he's even healing people. So the buzz starts, well, what's going on? And that's when Peter is put at the forefront. And he's told, he says, in today's first reading, he looks and says <coughs> that we are witnesses to the mystery that has taken place. He recaps for them everything that Jesus did, everything that he taught, how he died and he rose, and he said, we are witnesses. And he's talking about himself and John. And if we remember, on Easter morning, the first two apostles that made it to the tomb were Peter and John. They saw this moment. They saw the empty tomb. And what do they do? They are witnesses to it. They are witnesses to it the same way I was a witness to a magical night in 2007. They saw this. It impacted them. And then they had to go out and share it. They had to go and tell people what happened. In our gospel, it's a very similar kind of moment. Our gospel comes up, takes place on the heels of the road to Emmaus. And if you know the story of the road to Emmaus, we read it a couple of weeks ago, or we read it during daily mass a couple of weeks ago, the road to Emmaus, after the entire thing happens, after the entire Paschal mystery takes place, and the, and the tomb is found empty, two of the followers of Christ are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile walk. And while they're on this walk, they come across a man that they don't recognize. It's Jesus, but they just can't recognize him. And they start saying, the man asks him, says, what is it that you're talking about? Because he could see that they're in like a big conversation. He says, you don't know the things that are taking place in Jerusalem? And Jesus, still hidden, looks at him and says, what things? Like, please explain me, please explain it. Fill me in. What they do is they start to talk to him about all the things that took place. The Paschal Mystery, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, that now they have found that the tomb is empty. And they remain close to Jesus. And at a certain point, Jesus invites them into a meal. And he takes bread and blesses it. And then the breaking of the bread, it's like a mask falls off his face and they recognize who this man is, who they've been walking with. The first thing they do is they turn around from where they are seven miles away and they run back to Jerusalem and that's what we hear about in today's gospel. These two disciples at the beginning are the two that were on the road to Emmaus and they're coming back to the apostles and they're saying, you will never guess the amazing, miraculous thing that we just experienced. We just walked with Jesus for seven miles, him breaking open the scriptures and teaching us in the breaking of the bread, we saw him. They were impacted by a moment. And then they ran seven miles to share it. And then Jesus appears before him. Now, my first thought would have been, 
why couldn't I have done like this like transport thing where you just show up after why why I had to run seven miles right that would have been my first thought but instead Jesus stands there and he teaches them he says this is what I'm calling you to do I'm calling you that whenever you have an impactful moment with me to then go and share it in the final words of today's gospel you are witnesses to these things You are witnesses to these things. John Paul II said that without witnesses, there is no witness. Let me say that again. Without witnesses, there is no witness. Without people to go and be, without people that will, that we, we, we will be impacted by the Lord if we are truly engaged in, in, in our prayer, if we are truly engaged in desire to find Him. We will be impacted by the Lord. But there is no witness if we don't then share it. Without witnesses, there is no witness. Without missionaries, there is no mission. If we, are, if we are impacted and we keep it to ourselves, it never goes anywhere. Just imagine with me for a second, if John and Peter, when they get to the empty tomb, what happens if they would have been like, wow, this is awesome, and never talked about it? What happens if Mary Magdalene, when she comes to the tomb to anoint the body, She comes and she sees that it's empty and just walks away and says, oh well, that was good, that was cool. Without witnesses, there is no witness. A few years ago, about five years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land. Um, And one one of the places that when you go to the Holy Land, they're going to bring you if you go to a Christian group, obviously, is... The, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And in this church is where the, the place that Jesus was buried is believed to be. It's the church that's built over the place that Jesus was buried. And it's this small chapel that you go into. Um, it's, it's not much bigger than a closet. Um, and I remember my classmates and I, we went in, we were able to celebrate a Mass in this very, very tiny chapel. Now you have 15 guys about my size, standing around in a closet, kind of huddled together. But we were celebrating Mass, and it was absolutely beautiful. It's just, it was overwhelming being able to be at the place, the empty tomb, that that's where we're celebrating Mass. We, we, we pray together, we have the whole Mass, we, we're on our way out, and as we walk out of this chapel, I talked to one of my buddies that was with me, and I looked at him and I said, like I was overwhelmed by this moment, by this image and I looked at him and I said the tomb's empty he looks at me and he says well yeah yeah, I I know the story and I said no 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 no." I said right now the tomb is empty I said we were in the tomb we are the body of Christ and now it's again that the tomb is empty I watched it, like his eyes, like he got it, like it, 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 he lit up. And then we looked at each other, and almost at the same time, we said, we're the resurrection. 
You see, we, we as a church are meant to be the body of Christ. It's the same body that, was, that, that Jesus offers at Holy Thursday. It's the same body that is beat up and destroyed and broken on Good Friday. It's the same body that resurrects on Easter Sunday. You and I are called, as a community, we are called to be the body of Christ. St. Paul hits that image over and over, that you and I are the body of Christ. When we were able to go in and celebrate that Mass, we as the body of Christ were joined around the table of Christ's body. And at the end, what happens? We were resurrected. We were sent out. We had an experience of the Lord. We were told not to keep it to ourselves, to go. It happens every time we come to church. Every time we come to a Mass, we as the body of Christ join around the table of Christ's body, and at the end, we are, we, are, or we are impacted as a body, and then we are sent out to be the resurrection. And every time we come back in, what happens? We get to remind ourselves of how it is that Christ has impacted me. And every time that happens, we want to share it again. So much so that on your way out of church, look up. Because the image that's over our door in the back of church is the resurrection. It's called to be a reminder for every one of us as we walk out of Mass that we're called to be the resurrection in the world. That when Christ sends us out, we are His hands, we are His feet, we are His mouth today. Because without witnesses... There's no witness. Without witnesses, there is no witness. Just imagine with me for a moment. Jesus called 12 men to follow him and to be molded by him and to be sent out by him at the earliest part of the church. And the entire world was evangelized. Just for a moment, imagine with me. If every baptized Catholic in your family took their role as being a witness and as being a, a, a person of the resurrection, someone who was supposed to share the way in which God has impacted their life, in your family, if every baptized Catholic did that, what kind of impact would it have? If, 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 if your neighborhood, every baptized Catholic, saw their role, their job, as being an evangelizer, kind of impact would it have on your street? What kind of impact would it have in our wider community? If just every baptized Catholic would take their role as being the resurrection, seriously. State. Our country. Like what kind of impact could we have if we take this commissioning Seriously. God calls us to be witnesses to his resurrection always. You and I are being sent. You and I are being sent to be witnesses to the Lord. We have now experienced, we have seen, and we have come to know the Lord better through the last, the, the last months of Lent and over Easter. It's now our turn to go out and to be witnesses.
to go share the message. October 6, 2007 impacted me in a powerful way as a football fan. But Easter Sunday impacts us all in so much more powerful way. Because the tomb is empty again. We don't have the hope of a national championship. That's stupid. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of something that's so much bigger than we can even rationalize. And when we come back to Mass, we're reminded of it. And when we're reminded of it, we want to share it. Without witnesses, there is no witness. Without missionaries, there is no mission. And without baptized Catholics being the resurrection, there's no change. May we be bold enough to go forth and be the resurrection, to be the missionary, and to be the witness to an empty tomb. God's calling us to go together. God's calling us to be his witnesses today. Be his hands, his feet, and his mouth to share his gospel.